Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, part two of our deep dive into the all 22 of Miami's free agents, we covered the players outside of the front seven of defense yesterday. And today we're jumping into the revamped front seven of this Dolphins defense, the versatility, players that complement one another, and a whole bunch of pass rushing and run defending prowess added here over the last couple of weeks to your Dolphins football team. All of that and more on this Tuesday, March the 31st edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And just before I came to record this podcast today, I was watching some games on the NFL Network and they had some Cowboys games on the channel. And I watched all of Byron Jones' All-22, but you watch him on the television broadcast version and the guy just gets neglected by the opposing quarterback so often that you can't even see him playing because the route downfield gets ignored and 31 gets out of the screen almost every single time. You got to watch the All-22 on that guy to appreciate his game and his greatness or you can just go back to yesterday's podcast here on The Drive Time and get the full breakdown. We have some fun stuff coming up this week as well, including a special guest from the Dolphins alumni to help us with Throwback Thursday, and then another guest on Friday's show who spent an entire day with quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. You will not want to miss that. Neil Reynolds of Sky Sports will join the program. But let's now go ahead and get into the All-22. And first off, before we break down these players individually, I know this has been a theme we've harped on this podcast and really in my Dolphins coverage over the years several times, but my goodness, the versatility the Dolphins have added to the roster in this free agency period, especially along the front seven in terms of guys that can play multiple positions, whether it's lining up out wide outside the tight end, condensing down over the inside guard or over the tackle. A lot of these guys play multiple positions. They can rush from multiple positions. They can hold the point against the run from those multiple positions. And that's true of the linebacker group too, of guys who can play on the ball, off the ball. They can stack. They can do multiple things. The theme of this offseason was that versatility. And I think Brian Flores, Chris Greer and company really hit it out of the park in that regard. And you also have players who really complement one another very well. We're going to talk about the ability to run games up front, whether it's slanting, stunting, or twisting, or rushing from those multiple spots, blitzing different gaps, just plenty of guys that can really work off of each other's skill sets in terms of the physical power they offer, the lateral agility they offer, as well as some of the nuance in their pass rush capabilities and their pass rush arsenal and secondary moves once the first move is kind of shut down by the opposing offensive line. So plenty of versatility, complementary style, guys that can condense inside, play out wide, play multiple spots at linebacker. And let's go ahead and start here on the individuals with a player who I think is an absolute steal of a signing for the Miami Dolphins. Every time I plugged his tape in, he was giving the man across from him absolute fits and all they could handle all day long. And I want to reiterate this point here on the podcast. Good tape is not just about getting sacks or pressures or run stops. You can have a good rep that doesn't go down in the box score 
And Emmanuel Ogba has so many reps where that's the case over and over again, where he's just overwhelming the guy that's lined up right across from him. And I have to imagine playing against Ogba is just a miserable day for most. Go back to the Lions game from last season, and he gave the right tackle in that game all he could handle, constantly putting him on his backside, getting him off balance, and taking him down to the ground. And the thing I like most about his tape is the initial shock when he sends his hands across the bow of the guy in front of him. And in this game, you see that shock just get absorbed, and it completely resets the pass set. It resets the point of attack against the run. Very good tape there for Ogba going up against the Detroit Lions last year. And we'll jump back into those tapes and those particular plays here in just one second. But first on Ogba, the guy has 20 passes batted down in a four-year career, averaging five per season. And the length that he displays is so clearly obvious on a down-by-down basis. His alignments don't impact his effectiveness, like I talked about earlier. He can condense inside or he can rush outside. And just real quick, in terms of technique positions, you can Google this and find it for yourself. Let's go ahead and go over it just real quick. The person that lines up across from the center, right up over the nose, that's the zero technique. You line up across from the guard, that's a two technique. You line up over the tackle, that is the four technique. And then based upon what shoulder you line up inside or outside of those players, you get your ones, your threes, your fives. And then when you line up out wide with the tight end, depending on where you align on his outside or inside shoulder or head up, that's your six, seven, and nine techniques. But with Ogba, he can play so many multiple spots, condensing down into that two-eye technique. And there's an instance in that Lions game when he is in a two-eye technique. It's a third down and seven, and he draws a double team. But he's not just drawing the double team. It's holding them up long enough to allow Chris Jones to cross face inside and get a sack in the second quarter of that Lions game. And if they're taking a double team on you when Chris Jones is inside, what does that tell you about that player's strength and how much the offense fears what he can do? And I talked about it earlier again. He is just so significant with his hands, whether he's working upfield or trying to prolong the rep by shocking with the initial punch and then kind of stepping back and reading and reacting the play. It allows him to shock, stack, and shed and hold that point of attack and use his eyes to read the play to take him to the football. He can fight off cut blocks because he has enough athletic ability to do that and you're going to have a really tough time leaving him unblocked if you want to run that naked boot because he can close ground in a hurry and really disrupts those passing lanes again with his length and he can win off the edge. He can work back underneath doesn't really get himself beyond the quarterback too often, which is a great trait to have in an outside pass rusher. So go check out that Lions game and get a look at that Chris Jones sack, and you'll see Ogba drawing the double team. Talked about him putting Rick Wagner, the the Lions right tackle, on his back a few times. That was in the third quarter of that Lions game with 7-12 to go. Just completely overwhelms him and puts him on his backside. Then you go to the Tennessee game in week number 10, quarter number three, 14-52 in that third quarter. So the first play of that second half. And the first and 10 play on the minus 12-yard line. And what do the Titans do best all season long? They run the football with Derrick Henry, and they do it behind that offensive line with Taylor Lewan, Jack Conklin. They use Jonu Smith, the tight end in the running game. And on this particular play, Ogbaugh's lined up on the outside shoulder of the right tackle, Jack Conklin, and Smith motions across the formation. They run it outside to Derrick Henry, and Ogbaugh not only stacks and resets line of scrimmage, putting Conklin backwards a couple yards into the backfield, he carries him all the way outside and stretches that play all the way to the perimeter, and makes the tackle on the ball carrier. Very impressive work the way he controls the rep and controls the point of attack. 
Another impressive running down rep. You go back two weeks prior to that in the fourth quarter against the Packers. There's 4.51 on the clock. It's a second and four on their own eight-yard line. And this time, Ogba lines up head up over the right tackle. And just the pure power that he plays with overwhelms the tackle and moves him two gaps to the left. And you watch the way he strikes initially. He displaces the tackle and takes him right into the ball carrier and then eventually sheds that block and makes the tackle. Very impressive stuff. Using those arms, using those length, that length rather, and using his strength to stack up, shed, and make tackles against the running game. You go to a Houston game earlier in the season, quarter number three, five minutes to go in that quarter, second and four on the 46-yard line. And this is one of the plays I most like about both Ogba and Shaq Lawson, who we'll talk about here in just one second, but it's playing the backside unblocked role on the defensive line. When it's running zone read or any kind of shotgun handoff inside, you basically leave that backside guy unblocked and try to make the formation or the mesh point, the handoff, fool him into taking himself out of the play. But on this particular instance, the Texans try to bring a player across the formation to cut Emmanuel Ogba, but that length and the athletic ability allows him to shut off that cut block and get himself into the gap and make a play on the running down here against the Houston Texans. Very good job beating blocks and getting to the ball carriers and making the tackles. And again, if you want to see his sacks, his sack reel is very impressive as well. Had five and a half sacks on the season last year in his 10 games. We talked about each of those plays in the Emmanuel Ogba interview podcast on the Drive Time podcast a couple weeks back. You can go back and check those out or go to Game Pass and just pull up his sack reel. And to just further unload the notebook here on Emmanuel Ogba, there was a play against the Denver Broncos where he lines up across from the center and just completely sniffs out a running play, holding the point of attack on the interior of that defensive line. So we're talking about a guy that can rush from the wide position and then line up over the center and the nose position and stuff the run as well. And when you see him out on the edge, teams are constantly trying to find a way to create extra gaps, both pre and post snap by motioning a man out there or just changing the look of the formation by going heavy with six offensive linemen. He impacts the game that way. And I love the way that he and Lawson complement each other so well with that length and ability to really dent the edge and reset the edge. The tackles have to give a lot of ground and that really opens up the B gaps inside, which is the gap between the tackle and the guard. And then that does what? It allows the blitzers to fire through those A and B gaps because of the space created by those tackles having to set so deep in their initial pass sets. And don't get this twisted because Chris Jones Jones is an absolute hell of a player there for the Chiefs. There's a reason they gave him the franchise tag, but Ogba really helped him in so many ways. There's a play where the Titans double team Jones and bring the H back across the formation and try to dig out Ogba, but he's reading the flow of the play. Instead of waiting for the block, Ogba uses those hands to strike one of the double team blocks and creates just enough leverage for Jones to reposition and hold the point and make the play on the football. So helping his teammates out that way. And he might've only played 411 snaps last year, Ogba did, but that was in just 10 games. He had games with 65, 60, 58, 44, 41, 40, and 37 reps in seven of those 10 guys. He's consistently on the field. He's durable and reliable that way, and he really impacts both phases of the game, both the pass and the run game. And then we go over to the other side of the defensive line and see another big signing Miami made this offseason. And really putting them on either particular side of the line is an injustice because they really are agnostic in terms of which side they can play from, which side they can rush from. And I'm talking, of course, about Shaq Lawson. And you see that same power from Shaq that you see in Ogba. 
And while Lawson's not as long, he has a little more wiggle and athleticism going side to side. He's not going to condense as far inside as Ogba does. You'll see Ogba go all the way over the nose, whereas Lawson usually goes as far as the guard inside. But playing on the opposite side of each other most of the time really helps out, I think, because you can really set either edge with both these guys in the game. He has the hands and the punch to really split double teams and impact the pass protection. We talked about the complementary parts these two guys offer in terms of resetting those tackles, creating big gaps in the B gaps between the guard and tackle because of that pure power. And you also see the lateral agility in the Ravens game with all the zone read they run in that offense with Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and the like. And the core component of the zone read game is that you try to give yourself the numbers advantage by leaving a player unblocked and that player is the quarterback's responsibility as he can take care of him with his decision to give the football away or keep it himself and run the ball himself and Lawson does really well to work that mesh point, recognize what's going to happen, hand off or keep it for the quarterback, square up and then pull the trigger just as soon as the decision is made by the quarterback. He's got a really explosive first step whichever direction he decides to go upfield or slanting inside he has an ability to cross face and tuck that inside shoulder underneath the punch and stay on balance to get into that B gap and pretty much change the protection plan of the offensive line. A good example of his run game prowess is the week 16 game in New England against the Patriots. The fourth quarter, first play of the fourth quarter, it's a first and 10 on the plus 15 yard line. Super, super impressive play from Shaq Lawson. He's off the outside shoulder of the left tackle, so playing the five technique position, but the Pats have what's referred to as a nasty split or a tight split where the receiver is just one gap over from the tackle so essentially where there could be a tight end in that gap, it's the, the tight end's not there, so it's vacated, but the receiver is in tight to the formation. And the Patriots dial up a toss play to the outside and want to crack back on Lawson with the receiver, but because he's worked upfield immediately and initiates the contact on the left tackle, the receiver is essentially left there to just block error. So Lawson beats the guy that's supposed to block him, the receiver, and the tackle, who just wants to chip and climb out wide to lead the toss play to the second level, is far too late to get out because Shaq set him back so far on the initial punch, and Lawson eventually blows the play up for a six-yard loss behind the line of scrimmage. You go back to Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys. Second quarter, beginning of the game, the opening drive, 13-33, first and 10 on the minus 41. And you remember what I said about teams trying to create an extra gap off Ogba's side? The same thing is true here with Lawson. They motion Witten over to his side and there's a fullback in the formation in the offset eye to the same side of the formation. Again, it's a toss play, this time strong side. And Dallas is thinking we've got an all pro Tyron Smith at left tackle here to hit this block. Going to be a piece of cake, right? That's wrong. Lawson is again in that five tech off the outside shoulder. And this is not an easy block for Tyron Smith. Anytime you have to reach outside like that, it's a challenge, even for the best players in the game. And Smith learns this quickly on this rep. You see Lawson strike and Smith, who plays super low, pops right up, gets stood up in his stance. That's never a good sign for a lineman. This then allows Shaq to rework his hands and get outside Smith's pads and make another TFL. Just super, super impressive work against an all pro there in Tyron. Smith. How about a game closer to home? Week 11 against the Dolphins, second quarter, 13-02, first and 10 on our own 10-yard line, and I love this one because it's such a smart play that shows you Shaq's preparation during the week and getting ready for what he might see in the game and then applying it in the game situation. Lawson, again, the five technique, and he immediately shoots the B-gap off the snap, like quickly gets in there 
You see his right foot moving first, then cross over with the second step with the left foot. Then he dips that left shoulder under the block of the right tackle, and it gets him into the backfield immediately where he then meets the back behind the line for another TFL. Remember, he was second in football among all defensive ends and tackles for loss. Go back to week eight against the Philadelphia Eagles. First quarter, 8-13 to play, first and 10 on the minus 27. This one's a sack, and I found it particularly interesting because of the sheer power on display on this play. This time, he widens his alignment with an inline tight end in the formation. The tight end gets into his route immediately, and the left tackle slides into a pass set and tries to deal with a bull rush, and narrator here, he did not deal well with the bull rush. So the ball is snapped on the left hash mark. Lawson's lined up on the right hash mark, and the left tackle is right in between the two, almost down the middle, but a little bit closer to the hash mark where Shaq is, so a solid five or six yards away from where the quarterback winds up, and that's where Shaq makes contact. You see the helmet of the lineman once again snap back as he starts to give ground and tries to anchor. Again, let's go ahead and hear from our narrator. He never anchors. Lawson walks the tackle into Carson Wentz and literally reaches around either side of the tackle and uses the body and his own arms to get Wentz to the ground for a sack. And the two things I think you really notice the most about Shaq is that when they're in the running game, teams often run away from him and use him as that unblocked backside edge because that basically takes him out of the play without having to worry about blocking him at the point. And the defense kind of falls off in the run game when he's not in there, so his impact is certainly felt. And I'm a really, really big fan of the way he takes on backside pulling action from the offensive line, from a tight end, from an H-back. Basically... Anytime he kind of has to square up and find that backside pull coming his direction, he just brings the heat and brings the heavy punch. When that blocker comes across the formation, he attacks them and does not let them dictate the point of attack. He controls the POA and makes the play effectively because of that. So a lot of fun between those two guys to watch. I think those guys working in tandem is going to be a tough pair for teams to deal with running the football off either edge when they're in the game. And speaking of playing off the edge or pretty much anywhere because this guy can do it all, Kyle Van Noy. He wins in a variety of ways. We've talked about it on the podcast. He's talked about it himself. He's been used in multiple different aspects of the defense in recent years. Played much more exclusively last year as an on-ball rusher. Played plenty of off-ball backer the year before. So Flores has options with that. Either way, he's a nuanced pass rusher with tremendous feel and a well-rounded game. He can dent the edge as a run defender and he creates gaps and avenues for his teammates. And you heard him talk about that on the Drive Time podcast when we interviewed him. And even when he is engaged, he can work himself clean with a spin, a chop, you name it. He's got it in the arsenal. He has the lateral agility to execute games, to work up field, then cross face as the looper inside and turn that corner en route to the quarterback and he also does that well from the edge. A lot of his game is one pre-snap as well. You heard Channing Crowder on the podcast a couple weeks back talk about how the plays are one pre-snap and you can see that a lot in Kyle Van Noy's game, a product and a testament to the preparation of Van Noy. He can often get himself into advantageous positions based on what he saw on the film and you really see that a lot as an edge run defender. He'll work upfield, overset the tackle and then use his length 
and the heavy hands and his eyes as well to work back underneath and close off that B or C gap depending on where the tight ends aligned on that play. It's one thing to set the edge. It's another thing to serve as the inside gap run defender after that edge has been set. And this guy can do both those things. He does a good job gaining depth and width in coverage. He's a sure tackler. He plays the game physically. He plays the game smart and he plays the game selflessly. And the first rep I have here is against the Titans in the playoffs. One of his sacks last year, third quarter, 6.56 to go, second down and six on the plus 38. He's in a two-point stance in a 2-4 front and he's off the outside shoulder of the right tackle. So a five technique widened out a little bit there. He slants inside and completely dents the entire side of of that line, sending Jack Conklin into his right guard. Tannehill comes off play action with his eyes to the other side of the formation, so Van Noy has time to spin off that initial bull rush corner and get to the quarterback, and not only that, he gets the football out. This guy's sacks come in a variety of ways, very nuanced, and Greg Rosenthal of the Around the NFL podcast, a big Patriots fan, has said for years on that podcast that Van Noy had been the best pure pass rusher the Patriots had as the driving force of that Patriots pass rush scheme the last several years. And another example of Kyle Van Noy getting home in a different position as a pass rusher this time is the first game last year against the Jets in the fourth quarter, 9.30 to play. It's third and 15 on the minus 16 yard line. And this is a formation you have certainly seen before. I've heard it called the radar package. I've heard it called the amoeba package. Different football coaches have different names for their different calls. But essentially what it is, is a bunch of stand-up rushers that are bluffing at a variety of gaps pre-snap and they eventually settle into a spot and rush from that position. And Van Noy on this play settles in, lined up over the left tackle, takes two steps upfield into the B gap, then sticks his foot in the ground, changes directions. And something to understand here is the quality of angles that he takes. You have to have the timing of this down pat and Van Noy does it so well to get the blocker to commit and then changes the launch point and gets them out over their skis. He loops inside, gets skinny between a pair of blocks and finishes the sack accordingly. More good work from the Dolphins linebacker. Week five last year in DC against Washington, the fourth quarter, 420 to play, third down and 10 on the minus 35 yard line. And in the box score, this is a harmless incomplete pass. Well, mind you, it's a third down pass, so they have to punt the football. But Van Noy makes it happen with his rush. He starts upfield, then throws a little bluff back inside, and that slight hesitation forces one false step from the right tackle. And if you watch football, you know one false step is all it takes to get beat. And Van Noy is so sturdy in his base and keeping his feet under his pads, he's able to play plant and explode upfield. So if you think this guy is just a linebacker that wins by blitzing, cut the tape on again because he can win with an arsenal of moves. He can corner and there is just such smooth, fluid movement to his game. And that also comes with a very nice first step off the snap. And then finally, that defensive struggle against the Cowboys back in November. First quarter, 3.58 to play. First and 10 on the minus 32-yard line. Van Noy is lined up outside the tight end, who is Jason Witten here. And the back tries to take the B gap, but that gets filled up quickly. So he looks to bounce outside. And Van Noy has completely stopped any leg drive from Witten on the play and is just holding him up at the point. The back bounces it outside. And Van Noy from there is able to shed the block and make the tackle three yards behind the line of scrimmage. 
bridge. This guy's going to come in here, be the leader of the defense, and have a huge impact on all the guys around him. Guys like Kamu Gruje Hill. And on the topic of complimentary players, I really like the way he scrapes in the run game. And what this means is essentially working off the hip of the lineman who's taking on a block in front of him. So he stacks and the linebacker scrapes. And the closer he can stay in tight to that stack, the harder he's going to be to block for somebody else. And you go to the Seattle game last year for a good example of that. It's in the second quarter, 13-24 to play, first and 10 on the minus 16-yard line, and Seattle is in the gun and runs a little zone read with Russell Wilson and Chris Carson, and Carson takes the handoff and looks to bounce it backside where KGH is staying stacked behind the block. He then scrapes it, finds the football, and makes the play. There's another example of that against the Jets last year, quarter number two, 10-58 to play, first and 10 on the minus nine. This time he's stacked behind the five technique, the defensive end, and he lets that D end take on the block and KGH stays in tight on his back, but there's a problem here. The Jets have big old number 78 aligned in an I formation as a fullback, that's an offensive lineman, and he tries to lead the play and KGH engages the block, works the upfield shoulder, disengages and makes the stop for a TFL. How about his coverage skill set? You heard him on Drive Time talk about how he really thinks that he can take his coverage game to the next level and you go to the first play of the game in Miami last year, the Dolphins win. But the first play of the game was a win for the Eagles defense. And a lot of that had to happen because of Kamu Gruje Hill. He's in an off-ball linebacker position to the boundary, which is the short side of the field. You're going to hear me talk about boundary and field on this podcast a lot. And I want to go ahead and make it very clear what that means. The boundary is the short side in terms of if the ball's in the left hash mark, the left side of the field is the boundary, and the wide side of the field where there's more space is the field. So short side boundary, wide side is the field. Kamu right here in this play is lined up to the boundary with a two-man route combination, the receiver and the running back over there with Parker and the tailback. And you see a lot of variations of slant flat from this alignment. The receiver runs a slant route. The running back goes to the flat. It puts that linebacker in some peril. And in this instance, the running back makes a chip and then gets out into the swing route of the pattern. And Gruje Hill does a great job getting depth into the hook zone, the area where you're going to run curls and hook routes over the middle of the field, but also eyes the back who then chips and releases. KGH gets right into the lane and actually clips Devontae Parker on this play and the pass gets picked off. It's not defensive pass interference because he has his eyes on the quarterback and you see the instincts there to get the depth, to get to the right landmark and be in the right position to really impact the passing lane. You go back to a play in the Patriots game last year and you get another look at his instincts. Second quarter, 5-0-1 to play. First and 10 on the plus 21 yard line. It's a screen pass. And what's most impressive about this play is nobody else on the field guards a specific man. They all fall into a spot. So you got to think it's zone coverage. And it's not like Gruje Hill is keying the back and man coverage here. He just reads the flow of the play and pulls his trigger with anticipation, knifes in under a block and makes the stop. Again, these guys win with preparation. And then obviously you've got the special teams work. And Gruje Hill, he's no different than everybody else Miami signed this year in free agency in that they all play 100 miles per hour at all times, covering punts, covering kicks on the return teams. It's all will, and he wins with that will. And then my last one here is another linebacker, another player drafted in the same class with Brian Flores on the staff, and he landed Roberts. And if you heard the interview a couple weeks back here on the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, you heard me ask Alandon about some of his college tape at Houston and how he was everywhere playing both the run and the pass. And he made it a point to talk about how Flores was there with him at his pro day and, of course, his position coach there in New England 
Clearly a lot of love between those two guys. So you immediately feel good about the role that Flores might have in mind for his new linebacker. And that's true of Gruje Hill as well. And those Patriots linebacker rooms over the years have always been well stocked. And Roberts has been an integral part of those good linebacker groups. And since Flo talks so much about the three core pillars of the game, blocking, beating blocks, and tackling, it takes all of one play to see why coach loves this guy. Physical, physical, physical. He knows nothing else. The first rep I pull up is pure power from the Titans offense. It looked like my peewee days. Everybody line up in line. We'll put one receiver out there just for the hell of it. Two tight ends to the strong side, one tight end to the weak side, and Roberts is lined up just off the outside shoulder of the right guard on the strong side of the play, and he's uncovered, no defensive lineman in front of him, and that guard tries to work to the second level for a down block, but Roberts dishes out the hit, sticks a foot in the ground, uses the offhand to throw the guy off of him, shakes off the block and squares up for Derrick Henry and makes the tackle. So you have that video evidence of him filling that stacked linebacker position nicely as he doesn't get caught up with false steps. He's got a really quick trigger and the instincts to know where the play is going before the ball is snapped. And I love the complimentary part once again. We heard Flores talk last year about how every week is a new game plan and you might ask guys to play a different role than the week prior. Well, if you run into a team like, let's just go ahead and use last year's best rushing attack in football in the Baltimore Ravens, you play a team that wants to play play smash mouth football for 60 minutes Roberts is a terrific equalizer to that style of ball but he'll do it when he's not stacked as well like this play against the Bengals first quarter eight minutes to play first and 10 on the plus 15 yard line He comes down on the football and lines up head up over the guard. An outstanding work to get everything aligned before he shoots his shot at the guard, so to speak, before he throws that punch. And I remember Flo talking about this at camp last year. He said the basics of football from peewee to high school to college to the pros, they never change. Feet under your hips, hips under your shoulders, shoulders under your eyes, everything all aligned going in the same direction. And this rep is teaching tape example of just that. The guard tries to lean into the block and Robert says not so fast my friend and just whacks him stands him straight up tosses him aside and makes the tackle right there at the line of scrimmage this guy is gonna make pads pop at training camp this year I can't wait to see it and I tweeted this three-part photo of a pass rush from Roberts in the Eagles game second quarter 814 second down and six on the minus 26 yard line Roberts and Jamie Collins are lined up in either a gap they're on the outside shoulders of the center and they run what's called a cross dog blitz from there where they basically just cross over the center and blitz the quarterback and they switch their a gaps with that blitz Collins crosses face which creates a lane for Roberts to run through as the second cross dog blitzer and he comes screaming down the pipe with only Miles Sanders between he and the quarterback Roberts lowers the boom and just steamrolls him and gets Wentz to the ground for the sack and for good measure let's go ahead and get a pass coverage rep in here as well Fourth quarter in Washington, it's first and 10 on the minus 35 yard line. He's in coverage against tight end Jeremy Sprinkle, man up on a speed out route, a five yard out route. He gets in the hip pocket, reaches the outside hand around and breaks up the football right at the catch point. So he can do it all as well. All these guys are multifaceted players. The great part about these additions, you can see exactly where they align with what Flores has been preaching for over a year now. And that of course is smart, tough, 
disciplined players who are willing to make the sacrifices necessary to become great guys who really care about the game and how they approach it, but also in their physical skill sets, guys that can contribute in all aspects of the game, offensively or defensively, guys that can play on special teams in a pinch, guys that allow Flores to be multiple. Man, I cannot wait to get out there on that practice field and watch this team come together. It's going to be a fun one. And that'll do it for us on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We're going to take Wednesday off on the show and come back Thursday with Throwback Thursday. We're going to talk to a member of the Dolphins Ring of Honor on that podcast. You don't want to miss that. we got plenty of content coming for you guys the rest of the week as well. And then next week, we turn the page and get heavy into the draft content. You don't want to miss any of that. Go back and catch up on all the old episodes of Drive Time you may have missed. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.